And before you're seated, say hello to your neighbor today. Good morning, good morning. Great to see all of you here today. We appreciate so much of being with us. Before I get into my sermon today, I want to ask a special favor. For those of you who are going to LTC, would you please stand up? Those of you who are going to LTC, kids, all the kids, yeah. Now, before you sit down, I would invite you all to come up here. All those of you who are going to LTC, would you please come up here? Mamas, daddies, parents, kids, all of you come up here. Chaperones, and if I could invite some of the elders to come up and pray with me as we pray over these folks that are headed to Tucson. Come on, don't be afraid. We don't bite hard. And it doesn't bleed long. Come on up, guys. This is a pretty powerful group of people that are before you. These kids have put a lot of energy and a lot of work into what they're going to be doing this next weekend. So we just want to ask God's blessing upon them as they travel in his safety and uh, that he would truly allow this to be an experience that will last with them for a lifetime and bring them closer to Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, we thank you so very much for each, each of these kids and their parents and adults that are standing here and their love and commitment for you. Father, we thank you for this program, the LTC program that has for many, many years brought so many kids into a better relationship with our Savior who is the Christ, Jesus. And Lord, we pray your blessings upon these kids as they go over to Tucson next weekend. Take away the jitters, take away the nervousness, and help them enjoy this with all of their hearts. May it truly be an experience that draws them closer to you. May they realize that the things that they say, the songs that they sing, the art that they present is all done for one reason, and that's to bring glory and honor to your name. May you be glorified in all things. May you especially be glorified in what they do next weekend. Father, we ask your blessings upon them. Give them safety in their travels to Tucson and bring them back safely to us so that they may rejoin us and share with us the good news of the experience they had at LTC. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. This morning, we're going to spend a few minutes talking about the last few days that Jesus was in Jerusalem. This is considered by many in the world to be what is called Palm Sunday. The scripture was read for you a few moments ago of Jesus' entry. And I think one of the most miraculous things about his entry into Jerusalem was he rode on two animals. I don't know if you caught that, but they brought a, the colt and, his, and its baby and they put things on and he rode them. I don't know how he did that. I can barely ride one horse at a time, much less two. Been thrown off a few times. Don't know how he did it, but I think it's kind of neat. So that passage was shared with you this morning. And the thing that I want us to really look at is the fact that this changes everything. Jesus coming into the city of Jerusalem and what he shares in the last few days of his life and the message that he brings with him into this city changes everything. 
Because the words that Jesus shared in the last few days of his life before he went to the cross are some of the most powerful, the most cutting, the most demanding, the most challenging things that he said in all of his ministry. And the the most interesting thing about this, more often than not, it was directed at those who were supposed to be the most religious and the leaders of the city. And I bring that up because simply I want you to realize that the words that Jesus shared then are words that he's sharing with us today. And the words should cut to our heart because the reality is we are the religious of the city. We are those that God looks to that says, you should know what is the right thing to do. Because the reality is most of us in this room, maybe with a few exceptions, but most of this in this room today, this is not your first church service. This isn't even your first year in church. For many of us, this is our 40th or 50th or 60th or whatever year it is. We're coming upon the end of March. And if I remember correctly, I could have the date wrong, but I think, I think it was the last Sunday in March around 1968 that I was nine years old and Glenn Malott baptized me at the Sylvan Lake Church of Christ. Fifty years. And if there's anyone that Jesus is speaking to in these passages of Scripture we're going to look at today, He's speaking to me. And I pray to God He's speaking to you. Because the words that He shared change everything. And it changes how we should look at Him. It changes how we should look at our lives. It changes the reaction that we should have in the world that's around us. So let me take you to a few verses of Scripture today. And I'm going to read them from the Bible, the Pew Bible, if you want to call it that. It's the little black Bible there in front of you. I'm on page 698. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 21. And I want to share a few verses of Scripture from verse 511. Those were read for you earlier. But it's the story about Jesus coming into the city. And in chapter 21, in verse, uh, verse 11, it says, The crowd answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is Jesus. This is the one who is coming. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. This is the one who's going to take away the sins of the world. This is Jesus. And he's coming into the city to be with us today. And then down in verse 12 through verse 16, These are the words of Matthew. He says, Jesus entered the temple area and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did and the children shouting to the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they ask him? And Jesus said, yes. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. So my question for us, when we come into this house, and now this is not the same thing as the temple in the first century. It isn't. 
And I'm not so sure that, that uh, if Jesus were here, he would come in with the scourge and he would beat us up if we had a table out front and we were raising money for LTC. That's not what this is about. But I want you to think about the holiness of what we have when we come into this place. What do you bring with you when you come here? What expectation do you have when you come here? A lot of times folks will come to church and they'll say, well, this isn't serving my needs, and they'll go find another church. Well, why did you come here? Because if you and I come here just to be served, we're missing the whole point. In the adult class this morning, we looked at the words of Jesus from the Gospel of Mark, and he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I can't give my life as a ransom for very many folks. I'm not Jesus, but I can come to serve. The first will be last, and the last will be first. So here's something fun. Who's going to eat lunch first today? Who's going in the line first today? I vote the visitors. Amen? All of you who are visiting, you go first. I vote children should go with their parents through the line. Do I get an amen on a Sunday for that? <laughs> Sometimes that can be problematic. All I'm saying is we came to serve. You didn't come here just to get something. You didn't come here just to get a sermon. You didn't come here just to take the communion. You didn't come here just to sing a song or two. We come here to serve one another. But I can't serve you and you can't serve me if we don't spend any time together. The coolest thing that's happening at this church right now on Sunday morning is when everything is over. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but when the final amen is said and we start walking through those doors to leave, the coolest thing is, is we don't leave very quickly. And folks are kind of standing around and lingering and talking and visiting, and that is where we get to serve one another. Because if you don't know what's going on in my life, how in the world can you ever, ever serve me? And if I don't know what's going on in your life, you're robbing me of the opportunity to serve you. So I encourage you to stay and eat. I encourage you to hang around every Sunday. Spend a few minutes with us. Literally, let us get to know you better. I promise you, there are people who have been going to church with one another in this location for 15, 20, 30 years, and you don't even know where each other live. We need to be willing to serve. Matthew 21, verse 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or did it come from men? They discussed it among themselves and they said, well, if we say it's from heaven, then he'll ask them, why didn't you believe him? But if we say, well, it's for men, we're afraid of the people, for they all told us that John was a prophet. So then Jesus says, they said to Jesus, we don't know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. Jesus had an amazing way of teaching. 
long time ago. I used to go to college. I got over that. Got a degree, decided I'd never do it again. It's great. But there are two words that I learned in college. One of them is deductive and one of them is inductive. And some of you know what those two words mean. But in the realm of teaching and preaching, deductive teaching is when I tell you what I'm going to say, I tell you what I said, and at the end I'm going to tell you what I said again. And I'm telling you kind of what I need you to think. And then there's that inductive teaching. And inductive is when I bring you to the edge of the cliff and I let you decide if you want to jump off the cliff. You get what I'm saying? Jesus was a master at teaching. And he didn't tell all the answers. But he sure brought you to the edge of the cliff. And he let you decide if you want to jump off. Jesus didn't tell these guys the answer to their question. Because he knew it wasn't about getting a real answer to their question. They were fussing and fighting and fuming because Jesus was taking all of the limelight. Jesus was attracting the crowds. Jesus was, was having this huge army of people following him because he was healing and teaching in ways that no one had ever seen before. And I wonder sometimes, in our churches today, what we're looking for. Are we looking for someone to come in and draw great crowds of people and do great things? Or are we looking for the opportunity to care for one another? By what authority do you do these things? You know, it's interesting what happens in churches sometimes. Heard a story, I believe it to be true because it was told to me to be a true story. There was a little country church. They needed a new roof. They didn't have an eldership, so the men were meeting as men often do in a little country church, and they were having a men's meeting, and one of the brothers said, we need a new roof. And one of the older men in the church, he said, well, he said, I'll tell you what, fellas, he said, I'll match whatever donation anyone else matches in the church. And his nephew, who knew his uncle had a lot of money and was tighter than Dick's hat band, he said, well, uncle, you and I just roofed the church then. I've seen churches have fights over the color of the carpet. I've seen churches get up tight because they had one of these banners. Or heaven forbid, we would have palms on Palm Sunday. You get what I'm saying? That has nothing to do with us serving one another. Nothing. Jesus calls us to take care of one another. I wish we'd painted the dip, color of this building a little different because every time Mike records this, if I stand in just the right place and he picks me up with one of these little yellow banners, the whole picture goes yellow. Look at it on live stream sometime. I just turn yellow like I'm sick, like I have jaundice or something. I don't know what that's all about. And I wish we had different colors. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you and I take care of one another. That's what changes when we truly take care of one another. There's another verse of Scripture, verse 28 to verse 32. Listen to this. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. 
He went to the first son and, and, and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. And the son said, I will not. But later, he changed his mind and he went. And then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He said, I will, sir. I will go. But then he didn't go. Which of the two did his father, did what his father wanted? The first one, they said. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are ending the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. This morning in the adult class, we talked a few minutes about our responsibility as believers. By a show of hands, how many of you believe that one of the greatest purposes of the church is to make new disciples? Every hand is up. Isn't that interesting? How many of you are engaged in helping us make new disciples? Don't raise your hand. I won't embarrass yourself. But I want you to think about that with me. We all believe that the church's responsibility, one of the greatest responsibilities we have is to make new disciples. Yes? But how many of us are truly engaged in that? And you may be thinking, well, Ed, I don't know how to preach. Good. We don't need but one at a time. I don't know how to teach a class. It's okay. Nobody asked you to yet. But we will in a couple of weeks because we need some more teachers for the little kids class. Trust me, we do. And oh, by the way, We actually need children in the little kids' classes. It would be nice if the children showed up where the classes have been a teacher who is prepared. You know what I'm saying? You get get what I'm saying on that? Just a side note. I diverge. We have responsibilities. And we know what we should do. We know what we could do. We know sometimes what we really ought to do. But the reality is... Life happens. And we get distracted into this or distracted into that or we go through our paths of life and we really don't take the blinders off, if you will, for what our life is all about and we don't see the people around us and we miss the opportunities that God has placed right in front of us to reach out and serve someone. Maybe it's just a cup of water. I went to the grocery store a few days ago. It was last weekend. I was in Wilmington. I went to this grocery store, and there's this guy. I don't know what he was doing, but he's walking around, and he says, do you have any change? I'm like, I have no change, and I didn't. I didn't didn't have any change. had a $20 bill in my pocket. I don't consider that change. (laughs) Maybe you do, but that's not change to me. He didn't ask me to break 100, okay? I didn't have any change. So I go into the store. I buy my stuff for dinner to go home and cook because that's what I do for my lovely wife on Friday. And I'm coming out, and I had change, And so I found the guy, and he said, thank you so much for remembering me. And then he said this, he said this, God bless you. He's asking God's blessing on me. I gave the dude two bucks, and he's asking God's blessing on me. If I hadn't been sensitive to what he said, I need some change. If I hadn't had a heart, that said, I don't have any change, but I'm going to have someone I come out because I'm not spending all this 20 bucks. And I could have paid with a debit card and kept my 20 bucks. You know that, yes? 
Because that's the world we live in, right? But I didn't. I purposely pulled out this little wallet, and I pulled a $20 bill out, and I paid $16 and something for whatever I bought, and I gave him the change. Guys, there are people all around us. But you and I don't see them too often because we're not looking for them. Please keep your eyes open to those who are around you. Matthew 21, verse 33. Another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers, and he went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect the fruit. And so the tenants seized his servants. They beat one, they killed another, they stoned a third, and then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come. Let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He'll bring those wretches to a wretched end. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. There's some disturbing things happening in North America right now. Churches are dying. Churches are closing. And they're closing because there's no one left to keep the lights on. And I can't help but wonder if that's not God's way of handing it off to someone else. Because we're no longer doing our job properly. I mentioned to you a minute ago that all, and we all agreed, we all have responsibilities for discipleship. There is a real challenge in our country, and it's not political. It's not whether you have a bump stock or whatever that thing is on a gun that makes it go. It's not that. The challenge is spiritual. The challenge is those of us who come into churches on Sunday morning are not engaged in the life of people often enough from Monday to Saturday to encourage them to come and be a part of this family. And God may well be cleansing His church. Jesus coming into the city changed everything. And the words that he shared were not easy words to hear. Chapter 22. Jesus spoke to them again in a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. And then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fat and calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention. 
And they went off, one to his field, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. And he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited didn't deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. And so the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with his guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who wasn't wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he said, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. And then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. I know, and you know, that not everyone hears who hears the message is going to respond to the message of Jesus. I know that. Jesus said the way to destruction is very, very wide, and many will be on that road to destruction. And the way through the gate is very narrow, and few there will be there. But just because he said that, doesn't mean we can presume or assume that we're the only ones on the road and we don't have to worry about anybody else. And sometimes I think that's who we are and where we're at because we don't spend a whole lot of time talking to too many other people about where they're at and the journey that they're on. And we just kind of let them wander on through their lives. God said, go out and invite everybody that you see to come to the feast, to come to the wedding banquet. Invite them all. How many are we inviting? 22, 41 to 46, the last thing he says, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? I'm going to share something with you. Your answer to that question will have a lot to do with how you answer all the other ones. Because if your answer to this is not absolutely, this is what life is all about, this is it, this is the whole of man, this is everything I'm about, if that's not a part of your answer, then, ah, you know, I'll get around to talking to those guys. We have a church service. We have a website. It's advertised. We meet at 10.30 on Sunday morning. Folks can find their way. We've been on the same corner for 35, 40 years. People don't know where we are. That's their problem. That's not mine. And we just kind of meander through life. But if we really answer this question, what do you think about the Messiah? If we really understand who he is, then help me understand how you can go through week after week after week and not ever say anything to somebody. And, and I know they're not all going to come to church with you. I know they're not. Because the book says, hey, they're not all going to come. And even if they come, they're not going to have on the right clothes. They're not going to accept what's, what's the right thing and they won't stay around. I get all that. But if we understand who the Messiah is, it should change 
our perspective and our conversation and how we live our lives and it should change how we talk to people. It should draw us and cause us and make us go out and talk to people, sometimes even when we don't want to. I mean, think about this. Think about this. If you went to the doctor today and the doctor said, Ed, you have three weeks to live. Three weeks. If you don't change exactly what you're eating and if you don't eat all of this broccoli, seven times a day you're going to die. How many of you would eat broccoli? I would eat broccoli. I don't like broccoli. But if the doctor said, if you don't eat this, you're going to die, I would probably eat the broccoli. And I know God hasn't put it in those certain terms and he hasn't put that time frame on it, but I'm here to tell you, nobody in this room has any idea how much longer you have to be here. I flew home last night from Phoenix and I sat by a young man who was 21 years old and he was flying home from Cleveland because he went to a funeral of a 20-year-old kid that was a senior at a college in Massachusetts that he had gone to school with and the kid died. Nobody knows how long we have. Nobody. Glenn Alsop Sr. sitting right there. Doctors told him, what, two years ago? It's been real. Get your affairs in order. He's still here. The doctor's messed up. Amen. Or God had other plans. Amen to that too. That's even better. My dad's laying in a hospital bed five and a half, almost six years ago. He's dying of cancer, colon cancer. And he said, Ed, if I'd have had that colonoscopy two years ago, maybe I wouldn't be here. Maybe not. Nobody knows how long we have. And yet we go through life like we have all of eternity and it doesn't matter who is the Messiah. And what do you think about the Messiah? That's the question. Because if you really think about him, if you really know what he's done for you, if you understand the power of the cross, it changes everything. And you can't keep living the way that you used to live. You just can't. You just can't keep living that way. So we're going to sing this song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And I know a lot of you made that decision. Like I did 50 years ago in Pontiac, Michigan. I'm riding to church one Sunday morning with my dad. And he let my mom and my brother out. And I, I think, I, I don't know if I had a sister then or not. I don't remember. But nonetheless, he let them out of the car. And I ride around to the back of the building. I said, Dad, I want to be baptized today. He said, you know what you're doing? I'm like, yes, sir. He said, why do you want to be baptized? I said, because I know I'm a sinner. And I know if I don't ask God to forgive my sins and get baptized. And I quoted that verse of scripture about being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of my sins. He said, well, you understand enough, son. How much else do you need to know? I have decided to follow Jesus. And I didn't just make it once. I make that decision every day. And I make that decision several times every day. Because somewhere, somehow, God in his crazy infinite wisdom keeps throwing all these people in front of me. And if I don't speak up, who will? And if I don't say something, if I don't do something, who will? There may not be anybody else 
Do you not understand that? There may not be anybody else. Can you sing this with me? Brandon's going to come and lead us. I challenge you not to leave this building today without deciding to follow Jesus. Maybe again, maybe for the first time, maybe for the 57,000th time. If you've never, ever been baptized, this water is ready. It'll take us about three minutes to take the cover off and get you changed and get you baptized. Because you don't even know if you have tomorrow. You don't even know if you're going to make it home today. And I don't want any of you leaving here without making that good confession. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I want to give him my life. And I have decided to follow him. Let's stand and sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now?